Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. Okay, so I am in the living room of Grant and Sarah Dotson, my friends for a long time. We're going to talk a little bit about how we even met the first time here in just a second, but uh, with Dotson Studios and just outside of Chattanooga, right? Just over the Tennessee-Georgia border. Mm -hmm. Do tell us how we, or tell the the photography world how we first met, because this is kind of a fun story. We met in art school. My wife and I met in art school. And so we knew that when we got married, we really wanted to invest in the photography. Um, we, that was really important to both of us. And we looked around and there just wasn't really a lot in the area that really spoke to us. There was a lot of, a lot of um, old school work. And this was, you guys got married in 2005. So yeah. I remember that the market, particularly in Chattanooga anyway at the time, was pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. So Sarah came upon your website and it was just a revelation for what was, you know, what we were looking for. It was very different. I remember um, actually our first meeting and I've gotten our list down to, I don't know, three or four that I actually met with. And I walked into your your home and you had all these very modern looking um, albums. And immediately I'm like, I was just like so excited because it was just clean um, not a lot of you know decoration it was just all about the photos and there was so much emotion in all the photos and we could design them you know all different kinds of ways yeah. it was just like a breath of fresh air for me i was just like if he were here we'd we'd book this second <laughs> i remember when we when we started the business and this was back back in 2001 2002 something like that the first business card said I think it said contemporary wedding photography, which is so funny to think now uh, yeah. about a tagline like that. But it was a little bit different than the than the photography that was a lot of the photography that was happening in Chattanooga at the time. Regardless, we had incredible opportunity to work with you guys. You were so easy to photograph, so much fun to work with. And uh, we had the opportunity to photograph your wedding there in 2005. But it wasn't but a few months later that you actually photographed your first wedding. Tell us how that journey happened for you. What What's your background in photography? And then how did you land that first client? Yeah, so I was working as a graphic designer, um, I guess an art director at that time, and um, I had become sort of the de facto photographer when we had clients that didn't have the budget to hire another photographer. Okay. And um, so, you know, that plus the fact that we studied photography in college, um, it was it was sort of a sideways transition for me out of design. Um, at the time, I was working something like 12, 13-hour days every single day, and I was really kind of burning out on that. And I thought, you know, I'm about to start a new family. Um, this is not a way to start a new family. And I wanted more time to be able to make my own schedule and also be present in my personal time. Also, it seems like, at the time at least, all the clients I was working with, it seemed like it was the worst day of their life every single day. <laughs> like they needed something okay. last week. Yeah. Um, their hair was always on fire. And it was just a very stressful way to earn a living. And I remember looking around at the wedding vendors and thinking, all of these people are working with us on the happiest day of our life. <laughs> That's a much better way it's to true. It's a much better way to work. Yep. Uh, work with happy people. Yes. And uh, so shortly after we got married, we kind of resolved to make this happen. It probably would have been smarter to have to have let the two careers overlap a little bit longer than we did. But, okay. Um, we we almost 
quit cold turkey like she can she kept her job but i pretty much quit cold turkey without really any clients to to devote all of my time to making that happen and it was that when you say you quit cold turkey was that before or after that first wedding that you photographed so that was after we did two weddings for sort of friends of family uh, to build a portfolio to show people yeah, we did them free, but they paid our expenses. They were both travel weddings. Our first, okay. It's funny, our first wedding ever was in Miami. Whoa. <laughs> Everybody tries to get these destination weddings, right? Yeah. And you guys just get one. So that was, that was, I guess, four or five months afterwards. And then about four months after that is when I left my job to do the, the photography full time. Wow, you dove head, head first into the whole thing. That's awesome. I know a lot of photographers try to figure out the best time to make that transition. Uh, you did have Sarah's income to kind of help keep things stable. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Did that give you some freedom and flexibility when it came to choosing the clients that you booked from the outset or were you trying to get everything you could? I was pretty much taking everything I could. Okay. Sarah's um, nodding. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's funny, the, the commercial work. So today we do mostly commercial work and the commercial work was there from the very beginning. I think our very first paying job ever was actually a commercial shoot. Um, and it was kind of a small one. I remember, um, the art director, who is a friend of mine from college, asked me, he gave me the parameters, and he said, so what would you charge for that? And I remember, like, racking my brain about it. I came up with, I think, $80 for, I mean, this was a significant, like, probably at least a half a day's work. Wow. Yeah, and um, he said, let's just double that, and then we'll talk more later. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so, he had your back, huh? Yeah, that's okay. the benefit of working with people that, that you have a background with. Right, right, absolutely. Um, so but before we dive into commercial photography, I take us back to the wedding photography portion of it. You, you shot a couple of weddings for friends within what kind of time frame? So we got married in October of 2005, and we photographed our first wedding in February 2006, so just like four or five months later. And then the next one was, I think, May, and then we formed our LLC in that October. So actually, like, I think in like five days, it'll be our 10th anniversary. And then we decided to, we needed to start marketing, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things that helped us in the very beginning, and obviously it's a very different market out there right now, but um, was doing bridal shows. We started doing bridal shows um, that following year. It's not a bad way to kind of meet other vendors and kind of get your feet wet in the wedding industry. I don't think it's a bad choice when you're first starting, but I also don't know if it's always the best choice all the time. Okay. Because we slowly but surely stop doing shows. And why would you say that's the case? Is is it because of the the type of clients that you might book there? Are they are they price shopping a lot of the time? What what's yeah. the Well I think in the in the beginning you know, we like you guys, we were still kind of unique in the area. And little by little, um, the I feel like the Chattanooga market just got saturated with uh, with photographers doing our style. And um, it just it was it's a lot of work to do a show. And we didn't necessarily get the bookings anymore that made it worth it. All of our bookings came from word of mouth and people finding us uh, through other means. Okay, okay. What I was going to say is that I don't really know much about what the bridal show industry is like these days because it's been several years since we've done one. Sure. And, um, but the reason that we eventually stopped doing them is that I think that, so yes, clients are price shopping. They're also style shopping. Um, but their expectations, a lot of times this is their first exposure to the wedding industry. And so their expectations are kind of being set by what they see there. And you know, if you look into pricing psychology, you talk about having something that anchors your price sheet. And I think that that's... That's true when you're surveying a lot of vendors as well. Interesting. And when okay. we got into it, 
we never started out as cheap photographers, but we were definitely more affordable earlier on. But for the first several what was years, the, like what was your starting wedding package at that when you when you started when out? When we started out, it was nineteen fifty. Okay, um, but that included all day coverage by both of us and the engagement shoot and an album. Sarah's now shaking her head. Yeah, <laughs> no way would we do that. Yeah. That's yeah, I remember those days too. Yeah, yeah. But we were always kind of anchored, or the, the, the landscape of the show was anchored by other photographers at higher price points. And so that sort of set expectations, it, and, and we fit in in a way that was not cheap, but was clearly more affordable. By the end, um, we were often the most expensive photographer there. And okay. so we were providing sort of an anchor for other photographers to look more competitive against. <laughs> so we just weren't really getting the bookings at the shows that we needed to make them worth our time. So talk to me a little bit about the transition then from wedding photography to commercial photography, because this is an interesting transition. I think it might be appealing to at least some wedding photographers out there. I know having shot 10, 11 years, I know how tired mm -hmm. I was uh, and burnout I got photographing, especially the all-day weddings, yeah. right? Weekend after weekend. Um, the idea of transitioning to a style of photography that maybe isn't quite so exhausting, at least not all the time, um, might be appealing to some people. But how did you make that? Actually, what was the appeal to it to begin with? And then how did you make the transition? For me, it felt very organic, especially becoming a mother. And okay. we had we were doing so many weddings and and we loved it. I mean, we we even did projects together in art school. So we've always loved working together. So taking that on um, in our, you know, in our marriage was, was fun and uh, exciting. And, but we got tired and you start adding children into the mix. <laughs> and um, I, even when they were babies, we still did a lot of weddings. I think that was some of our biggest years were when they were really tiny. Um, I don't know if it was the momentum from previous years or just, you know, things not catching up with us, but now that they're, you know, older and starting to be in school and, you know, for me, just not having it in me to put you know to sure. work all day on a Saturday um, on top of everything else that I do it just doesn't appeal to me anymore sure um, I would much rather us make less money and be home more um, he, the, the freedom and the flexibility that comes with commercial photography but then also yeah. I, I even remember too how difficult it could be at times to line up babysitting Oh, for the kids oh, yes. on the weekends. And and the one babysitter that was with us through all those years where we booked all those weddings, she she had the nerve to get married herself <laughs> and go away and get busy herself yeah. and have her own children. I don't know why she thought she could do that. <laughs> so it did not feel organic to me at all because um, I mean, you said was, you did your first paid gig was a commercial gig, mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Yeah. So they always kind of existed side by side, but okay. for the first six years ish it was it was significantly more weddings than than commercial work um but for me like all the same reasons that she listed but um it was a it was a very strategic decision that um i for one spent a lot of time trying to make happen because okay. we needed to increase the commercial work to the level that it was going to you know be an income replacement from the wedding work before right. we could really decrease the wedding work. But it was, and you said we, at the highest point you were shooting about 20, 30 weddings a year. Yeah. 30. Okay. Okay. Um, and that was pretty average at that point. Um, so we, over a period of, of, I guess about three years, um, ramped up the commercial work and simultaneously were taking on fewer and fewer weddings Okay. so that, uh, we could make that transition pretty seamlessly without there being a cliff in income. How do you how do you make that transition though? Because it's a totally different style of 
photography. I mean, I, I, I love wedding photography for the fact that it incorporates a various styles, right? You have portrait photography. You do have kind of a scenic style of photography that you can mix in there as well, depending on the location that you're photographing in, your structural photography with the churches and various locations. But let's be real, lighting and indoor uh, let's say a hotel, for example, can be a really complicated process in comparison to the type of lighting that you have to deal with with portrait photography or wedding photography a lot of times. So how do you make that transition stylistically? Well, so much about commercial work means creating your own light. And, um, you know, a lot of my clients, my commercial clients, when they found out that I either did at the time or have done in the past wedding work, they're like, so what do you like the best? And the answer to that is that they appeal to different parts of me. So wedding photography is so much more improvisational and run and gun. And, you know, I like that thinking on my feet. But um, for my commercial work, it's almost always completely overpower whatever the ambient light is and make your own light. Right. And that really appeals to the OCD part of me. Um, you know, with a wedding, you can spend eight hours and generate 1800 images right um with a commercial shoot i can spend eight hours and walk away with one final image in the bag um, wow that's that's rare usually it's going to be more like it can go anywhere from a handful to a small library of maybe 60 images okay um and that's for a day's work and so you have time to really micromanage every aspect of the production so it's a lot more structured in that sense uh there isn't, you know, I, I think about, um, and I love natural light wedding photography. It can be really beautiful if it, if it's done well. Um, but photographers a lot of times will say, well, I'm just a natural light photographer. The notion of being a quote, natural light photographer as a commercial photographer, especially photographing spaces and in indoor spaces. Um, you can't just, you can't just do that, right? You have to actually learn how to use lights. What, what does that look like? And how did, was that a big learning curve for, for you? I mean, certainly there was a lot to learn, but because I've been learning it a little bit um, over time, uh, it it was never like, okay, now I've got to sit down and really study how to do this. It's okay. just, just been acquiring knowledge over the years. I just want to speak uh, about how I think commercial photography, specifically for him, is like a perfect outlet of his creative abilities, as well as his love of technology. Always, he's the one that, knows the camera in and out, knows the lighting in and out. I still, to this day, sometimes have to take my camera to him and say, I don't know where to change the setting. <laughs> <laughs> His brain works in that way much yes. more than mine. He spent, I don't know, probably a good two years trying to get me to really learn setting up lighting. And I just didn't click with me. I didn't, I didn't get it. Sure. And I didn't really want to pursue it. So I think it, for me, it's almost, you know, natural as, as, you know, my time has been pulled away and you know is given to you know a lot more family time he's finding his niche in commercial work and he's extremely good at it and it really clicks with with I think just the who he is and his natural gifts and talents that's awesome so that and I spoke about this with uh, Rich and Heather who you guys know but the idea of your strengths kind of balancing each other out. And I think that's that's really cool how you're able to kind of lead when it comes to the technical side of things. And then, Sarah, you're bringing your design background to uh, designing albums. Is that correct? So yeah. the weddings that you all are still photographing, you're designing the yes. wedding albums for I kind of took over doing the albums early on, and I love it. I like that's just something I really enjoy doing. And <laughs> it was something he hated. So, yeah. yes. That, no, as, I as, love doing it. It's, it was just... Uh, I spent so much time doing it. I would spend two, three days on a single layout. She can do that much more rapidly. 
Yeah. Well, that gets really expensive when you're considering time cost. Yeah. And it's since I since I enjoyed it and he was just like, you can you just take over this? I'm like, yes. And I was excited. <laughs> and I still to this day, I have a meeting tomorrow with a, a client of ours to to talk about her album. And I'm really excited about it. It's just um, I, I think it's great, especially the older we get, we, we figure out a little bit more of, you know, what our talents are, what we're good at and try to focus and hone in on those a little bit more than when we're younger and just trying to get as many, many bookings as we can. Sure. That makes sense. So the wedding photography space, and you alluded to this earlier, Grant, is, is a very crowded one. Uh, a lot of photographers, not just wedding photography, portrait photography as well. Is it the same vibe in commercial photography, professional commercial photography these days, or what does that look like? So a big part of our transitional transition to commercial photography came from the contacts I already had in the local design industry. And so I was able to leverage those to create new clients out of the places where they worked for. So like designers that I went to school with, now they've gone out and they work for all these other companies and I was able to kind of uh, become their photographer. Okay. And so while, yes, I think that there is an element of competition in the commercial space, in our market, at least, uh, there's not a huge element of competition. And so more often than not, I'm competing against the client just not paying for photography at all. So it's it's usually when the clients come to me, they're very rarely putting out bids to five different photographers to pick the most price competitive one. Okay. They're either going based on who their art director suggested uh, or they're just looking at their budget and they're like, maybe there's a way we could just do this with stock and not hire a photographer. So that's where the most of the competition comes from. Interesting. So how do you, I guess really two different questions. How do you position yourself against the existing market, uh, the other commercial photographers out there in, in the wedding photography world? We could position ourselves in a variety of ways. When we first started out in Chattanooga, we were talking about how traditional the market was. We could very easily position ourselves as, quote, contemporary wedding photographers or modern wedding photographers. But what would you do or how do you do that now in commercial photography? How do you set yourself apart? So I like to describe it as design-driven photography. Um, I, I make a point of communicating my design background that I did work as an art director and um, I do know the kinds of things they're looking for and then I try to encourage it to be a highly collaborative process between me and the agency okay um, or or just the client and I if there's not an agency involved uh, but I feel like the earlier I'm involved in the discussions about photography the more I can make a successful shoot happen so I would much rather be contacted and say hey we have this campaign we want to put together we're not quite sure what we want to go with, we're thinking of, uh, we're thinking of a direction like this. What do you think about that? How would you make that happen? And then I have a chance to help shape the production before it actually goes underway, as opposed to being contacted with, "Here's the brief. What's your quote?" Um, because when it's like that, then there's a lot less flexibility to make something that I think um, can really excel. And I'm really just sort of like checking the boxes that they've supplied. I bet that perspective and that background uh, begs a bit of respect with these design firms that you're working with, you know, as opposed to just a random photographer that they're going to book who doesn't really have a design background for you to be able to not only come in and obviously offer good photography, but to be able to speak to the design element and think about that as you're photographing it and comment on, you know, like you were talking about, they don't have any idea what to do with this particular project. You can actually lend some ideas to that. That's really powerful. Yeah. And with a lot of the agencies that I work with, one thing that they'll comment on is that 
the client will maybe sometimes come to them and say, okay, we need you to produce such and such kind of piece for us, like right. a brochure. Okay. And then, so they get the brief from the client and they look it through and they have, uh, a lot of times they call it a discovery phase. And what they realize is that what you need isn't what you think you need. You want to accomplish, you know, this goal. And in order to do that, the best tool is going to be for us to make this for you and not that. And the same thing can be true for photography. You know, initially they might think they need a certain kind of look or a certain kind of photo. And then we talk about it and maybe a different kind of photo makes better sense. And so I'm able to, to help shape that process. The second question or kind of follow-up question to that was how do you sell yourself? When you're competing with all the stock photography, for example, out there, uh, how do you sell yourself in that? But you're not just bringing, again, good photography to the table. You're actually bringing that design background. And that, I'm, I'm sure, makes a massive difference in being able to sell your services. Now, you guys have already talked about family a lot, which I love. Because, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, a lot of the focus of this podcast is about how we make time for relationships. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like for you. You made this transition from wedding photography to more of a focus on commercial photography, which gives you a bit more flexibility with your time. Uh, but what is a what does a day in the life of the Dotsons look like? Well, right now it looks like trying to record a podcast while the kids are climbing <laughs> on the couch next to us. Yeah, work life balance right here. It's awesome. Um, so sorry for the background noise, but that was the driving motivation behind switching from wedding to commercial. Is that as our kids got older, Saturdays became a lot more uh, valuable. You okay. know, like I wanted to be here with the kids. Um, when they were home and uh, that was going to be on Saturdays. And so um, switching to commercial work meant that most of my shoots happened during the week mm -hmm. and I had more weekends free. And so um, a big plus for this kind of work for me is that I'm able to set my own schedule and work from home uh, anytime I need to. Um, I took off Friday to take uh, our oldest on a field trip to the Chattanooga Ducks. That's great. Which was fun. And, um, and for those of you who don't know, the Chattanooga Ducks, ducks are basically trucks that also happen to be boats. I mean, yeah, that's, like they're the old army vehicles. Old army vehicles, yeah. And was that the ride where they take kind of the, the running plunge into the river? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So we got a nice slow-mo video of that. Oh, nice. Um, so, and, and then that same week, last week, we took most of the week off for vacation. And, you know, everybody gets a chance to take vacation, but most people have to clear it with their boss. Right. And uh, so it's just nice to be able to kind of mark off any time that we want for that. Sarah, what, is this, what does that look like? What does the day-to-day -day look like for you? I mean, you're managing album design. Yeah. Grant's doing, is out doing a commercial shoot. Mm -hmm. What does that look like here at, at the home? Um, we've kind of, I guess, established a little bit of a rhythm. Grant has an office upstairs, and he... Um, we're, you know, we're up pretty early because we gotta get the kids to school. Um, and he spends a good amount of his day there. Every once in a while, he'll he'll have a couch day where he sits with his laptop in the living room. If I'm also trying to do something, I use that time when I really need to concentrate and focus. So usually that f that for me, that's sitting down, finishing up an album, or uh, you know, working on some of these other things that I'm working on, um, because I have to devote a lot of mental energy to those things and that's the hardest thing to do with children is sure. to really to be able to work without being distracted um i get owen um about noon and um use that between noon and two to kind of finalize anything i was started in the morning and then by afternoon we kind of shift to family time um when i get ella at two so they want to come home and snack and play and so forth and that's when i'm kind of i tend to be up and about in the house more cleaning Grant comes down every once in a while and, you know, sometimes if the kids are really like 
daddy, let's do this. And depending on if he has a deadline or whatever, he'll just take an hour and just spend with him. Um, because you can, right? Because he can, yeah. right. Other times he closes the door and we just know he's got a deadline. And we, <laughs> gotta we've got to just give him the, the time and space to do that. So, you know, we, we do what we need to do to to make our clients happy. But, you know, our, our family comes first and we have enough flexibility to feel like we have struck a pretty good balance, I think, with that. And the flexibility is good, but then do you create, I mean, is there a cutoff point for you at the end of the day, certain, certain time that you're going to stop? I don't like when the clock rings five, I don't like close the window and walk away right then. Okay. Um, but usually I try to wrap it up within, you know, reasonable, regular business hours between five and six. Okay. And you're a pretty meticulous individual personality. Um, and I think you spoke earlier to the, <laughs> when it comes to, uh, when it came to album design, how you'd spend so much time on, on, you know, one one page or, or a particular segment of the album. I can relate to that. I remember back before I started Photographer's Edit, the amount of time it would take me to, to handle post-production was just ridiculous, just because of my personality type. But the flip side of that, that uh, kind of meticulous approach to doing things, is that you can also create systems that ultimately create efficiency. So um, just as we close out here, talk to us maybe about two or three different systems that you've implemented that have saved you all time that you think might be helpful to other photographers as well. Anything that I can automate, I will automate uh, because I have a terrible memory. And if I haven't put it into a system, then it's not going to happen. And sure. so one of the one of the biggest revelations in my actually being able to keep clients happy was I adopted an email follow-up service called Follow Up Then. Okay. And um, it's it's got this artificial intelligence that will parse whatever time period you enter into it to send an email back to you at a certain time. And so what I do is when I email a client um, and I know that I need to hear back with them, back from them within a week, then I'll BCC one week at followupthen.com where there's actually a short version you can do one week at fut.io. Okay. And one week later, that email comes back to you and uh, gives you the opportunity to say, okay, so did I hear back from that person or not? And I do that with almost every email I send. Uh, you can you can send it as a carbon copy and the recipient will also get a copy. So I do that with her sometimes to send her reminders. Um, when is this album done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but for my clients, I BCC it. And so only I get the reminder to follow up with them if I need to. And, and each day starts off with, you know, three or four of those in my inbox so that I can make sure that I'm keeping up with things. Okay. Is that um, similar to Boomerang? Gmail has a, a, or there's a plugin for Gmail called Boomerang that does something similar. I, I don't use Gmail, so I'm not sure. Okay. But okay. It sounds like it could be. Okay. What's another system? Another that thing, implemented? Keeping, keeping money separate for different accounts was always a challenge because, you know, you make a deposit and then you have to wait for the deposit to clear before you can like divvy it up into different accounts right. for cost of goods sold or income tax. And, that was always a challenge for me because several days would pass by and it's not hard to do the math to figure out like how much of that deposit needs to be transferred. Sure. But it was always a hassle to remember to do it. Right. And so I've got a new app that I've been using called Capital spelled with a Q. Okay. And what it does is it lets you set up rules for uh, all of your money management. And so I have it linked with our... Uh, business account and anytime a deposit clears into the business account I've set up these rules for X percent gets transferred out of that business account into our capital account really okay. and sorted into different uh, so there's just one account with capital 
but they have different categories. So I have like X percent goes in income tax and X percent goes into wow. savings and X percent goes into, you know, different things that I need. Okay. Um, and you can actually automate that, automate that even more than just percentage based uh, transfers. You can like, you could even set it up with if then, then the, if this, then that, which right. is a web service. Yeah. Um, you could set it up so that every time your garage door closes, five cents gets transferred out. <laughs> no way. Okay. Yeah. If you would, make a recommendation to a photographer if there was anything that you would suggest to a photographer that they pay closer attention to uh, maybe that you didn't early on in your business and and there was a detrimental effect uh, what would be that one thing so sometimes I get emails from people who you know want to know what they should be doing if they want to become a photographer or or you know their their nephew wants to become a photographer what advice should I give him and the advice I usually give is don't pursue an art degree, but pursue a business degree because mostly you're running your business. You're not creating the imagery. Now, you know, they have to go hand in hand and you have to be able to make good images. Um, but that's something that almost comes more from inside you. And so you can teach yourself the technical aspects from reading books, um, but your artistic vision just has to come out of that. Uh, and so there's only so much that you can learn about that in art school. But uh, a business background is going to be, you know, invaluable for being able to become a success. And that's a really great point. I think I've talked about this maybe before on the podcast. Um, I've had at least two or three friends that, that went to Brooks Institute out in Santa Barbara, which just recently shut down or is in the process of shutting down. Uh, but they would spend hundred grand on a photography degree, walk away knowing how to take a picture, but then not know how to actually run a business. And that was a pretty big learning curve. So I think that's great advice for somebody who's just getting into the photography world because really you can. I mean, you know, whether it's YouTube or blog articles or whatever the case, pretty much for free at this point, you can learn how to take a picture. Not to mention the fact that you've got the immediate feedback from a digital camera, mm -hmm. but to learn the business aspect of running a photography business is is so important. And that includes you alluded to finances earlier. I know my biggest mistake early on was not more intelligently managing finances, having a system in place uh, for photographers to learn the importance of that and to put a system in place and actively work with a, a bookkeeper and or an accountant um, to help to manage that is really important as well. Thank you guys so much for making time to kind of share a bit of your story and some of what you've learned and a little bit about your photography business. Where can photographers find you online? What's the best way to see your work and learn about what you're doing? So our commercial portfolio is at DotsonCommercial.com, and our wedding work is at DotsonStudios.com. Perfect. And th there are links to social media on there as well, Instagram or Facebook or otherwise? Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> if not, how can they find you on Instagram? Because that's going to uh, be the first Instagram place to want to go. Instagram is DotsonCommercial.com. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for making the time. Thank you. It's All right. Good thank you. Good to see you again. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.